Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pure Victory Podcast. Excited to be with you here today, and of course, Matt across from me, and I'm Braden. If you didn't hear part one of Dave and Kirsten Samuel, I highly encourage you to go back, listen to that one, and then come back to this one, because this can really set the foundation of what we're talking about today, especially their story. But today we are going to be breaking down a little bit of how they did come back from um, having porn in their marriage, but also they're going to share their wisdom their understanding of how there can be a pathway forward for couples that are in a similar situation. So you're not going to want to miss this, but please go back, list part one, um, so that this one makes a little bit more sense. But thanks, Dave and Kirsten, for being here with us again. Good to be back with you Good to be back with you. Thank you. And we wanted to mention um, your book. So Kirsten, mention the title of your book, that ebook as well that you you said, but I know that you wanted to mention this because a lot of that, what you're talking about today will come from that. But I also love the title because it just fits so well (laughs) what we're talking about. Thanks. Well, the the book, the full length book is called Choosing a Way Out When the Bottom Isn't the Bottom. It's available in any any bookstore uh, in print. Um, It's also available as an ebook. And it's also available on audible.com as an audiobook for those of you who love audio. Um, the ebook that is a free one on my website at kirstendsamuel.com is called 10 Warning Signs Your Gut Already Knows. Uh, it's right on the homepage, so it's really easy to find. You can just go to kirstendsamuel.com and, and get a copy of that ebook. Amazing. And if you're on Instagram, you can go to Kirsten D. Samuel uh, on Instagram and follow all of Kirsten's posts too. They're really good. And then I know there's, if you go to link in your profile too, Kristen, you've got some different uh, options there for people to take advantage of too, hey? Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Awesome. Last week we were you were sharing a little bit about you got to the point in your story where you had a plan. You had a plan in place to get porn out of your marriage. You're talking a little bit about the emotional state that you maybe you both were in, especially you, Kirsten, you're sharing a little bit about that. Um, but to kind of set the table for the talk today, I just wanted to wrap that up, that, th- you know, wh- how you guys came back um, and the healing journey, because you're hemorrhaging, you have porn in your marriage, you're bleeding out. Maybe you put a bandaid on that, you stop that bleeding, but then there's the healing component of a wound, right? So maybe just, I know I want to say briefly, but (laughs) describe a little bit of that healing process so that you could come back to a oneness in your marriage and intimacy in your marriage. Great question. And um, what we had to do, what I needed to do was ask Dave every question that was running through my head. Like, what kind of porn were you looking at? Did you ever act out? You know, did you go to strip joints? Did you, you know, what did you do? And we did that with the counselor. We did that with our restoration team. But then there were still questions I had at home that I needed to ask. And thankfully, part of learning to change our relationship meant that we had to learn what it meant to be completely authentic and honest with each other. Boy, that's a step to have to take. And it doesn't happen overnight. You know, Dave mentioned that he wanted to shoot it, bag it, and get done. Well, <laughs> it, shoot it, bag it didn't work. Yeah. And there were steps that we had to take. And we had to learn that recovery is a step forward, and sometimes it's five steps backwards because something happens. And then you add in my suicidal depression, and I wasn't processing information. You know, there were things that Dave, I had to come clean with Dave about in my life. And realizing that I had to really start searching the scripture. I had to spend time with with God. Uh, Our life became very simple. And what I mean by simple is we went, we worked on recovery and we went to work and we came home. That was it. There wasn't going to movies. There wasn't, we hardly watched anything on television. We were not working on other relationships it became very concrete. Everything was focusing on our recovery, which we were counseled to do by our restoration team and by our counselor. And it was the best thing we could have done because that's gave us the space, the time to come clean and to talk with each other and to wrestle through these, these issues. Our restoration team posed a question to us and they said, We need to know, are we an authority figure in your life or are we an advisory council? I had to think about that. And and I said, well, I see you as an authority figure in our life. Mm. And their response was good answer, because if you had answered the other, we would have been packing up and going home. Mm. And, And they, like I said, they, I think I said this last time is that they took control of our life and we, we, got out of every volunteer opportunity we were doing. We, uh, as Kirsten said, our life became very simple. It was work and it was working on the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a situation where somebody asked Kirsten to make some baked goods for a, a church function. And, and Kirsten said, well, I think you'll be okay, but let me, let me ask some questions and, and um, I'll get back with you. Well, we, 
we asked our restoration team and, and they said, absolutely not. <laughs> I was like, oh, so she couldn't even bake goods for this, <laughs> this thing. But that was good because we needed, we needed the structure. We needed the accountability. We needed the love. And, and Kirsten calls us the Jesus with skin on mm-hmm. that, that, that they were, they were insulating us from a lot of, of distractions and so we had the time to be able to work on what we needed to to work on. And there was a lot. It was a lengthy process. Mm-hmm. I find that really cool. I think sometimes about the the, pro- the prodigal son in scripture, and it's a picture of brokenness and rock bottom when he's out and he's like, man, my dad's servants have better than me. Why don't I go back? I'll be the lowest of the low. And what he's doing is he's willing to go through any consequences because of what he's done. And when right. somebody's not willing to, they're still, there's not quite a rock bottom. They're not quite broken when they're not willing to accept consequences. But you're not just taking advice that then you can decide whether or not you do it. You're going, no, my authority said to do this. And you actually surrendered yourself and listened. And I think that's really cool and really important for people uh, to, to have that mindset. But was it humbling? Like, especially yeah. maybe for Kirsten too, but also maybe like Dave, you're a man, right? Like, oh, I got to be the man and make decisions. Was it humbling for for you guys? It was, but I knew that I had messed up so badly that I needed to, I, I knew that I couldn't do it on my own because I'd been trying for years and, and I knew I needed the help. So it was, yes. And, and, and even owning up to the mistake was tough, yeah. but it was like, no, I did it. I need to own it, move on and let's do what we need to do to get the healing. And mm. this is part of recovery. Um, if you truly want to change you have got to admit what's currently going on and that means all of it doesn't mean you get to say well this isn't so bad you know there's not there's not a level here um you know it's either right or it's wrong there's there's no you know like i learned to hate the phrase little white lie because that's not true yeah it's either a lie or it's the truth there's there's no little white anything it's very cut and dried. Yeah. You know, part of part of recovering from the depression, the PTSD, the anxiety, and the porn was to really get down to that that basic level of saying, I am going to be honest for the first time in my life about who I am and what's been going on. What am I thinking? I mean, I discovered stuff about myself that was just disgusting. I didn't know that I thought that. You know, Dave, they've, you know, discovered the same thing, but it was the recovery couldn't happen until we got to that level. Well, when I talk with, you know, women who come to me um, in a coaching capacity and I said to them, you know, you got to be done with the excuses. The excuses have to stop. Uh, My coach refers to that as, you know, victim or victor language. And a victim says, uses they're in bed. They use blame, excuses, and denial. But a victor gets their oar, sticks it in the water, and says, I'm going to take ownership, accountability, and responsibility. Well, you don't get to make excuses if you're a victor. And I knew I didn't want to be where I was. Hmm. You know, that that's an amazing because there's a realization there. But did you guys find it as a couple that these were real difficult moments? Because, I mean, you're, you're giving us a view from 10,000 feet of what happened then. 
and it, you're glossing over a lot, I know, because of time's sake, but <laughs> often there's, especially when we're partnering through or partnering with a plan or we're submitting to an authority that is helping us, you know, whether it be God or others in our accountability structures or recovery groups, whatever else, there's points of agreement and disagreement in our own life in the sense of, okay, I agree with what you're asking me to do here, so I'll go along with it. But then there's other things where like, ah, eh, I don't see the point. I disagree or I really disagree, so I'm not going to do it. These are challenging points. Did you guys face anything like that? Or was it was it more of a, you know, we just get it, we got to do this. Um, but describe kind of w- what was happening for you if that did occur. I remember we were sitting with our restoration team and they they literally were a seri- they were six coaches that were sitting around us. Um, and we had agreed that they could ask us any question they wanted to ask us. And I remember when they asked one question and Dave came back with a a humorous, sarcastic answer. and Which all, is normally what I do. <laughs> yeah. Humor is the, you know, lightens everything out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It, was, it was a real cover. It, it was, it a, was a cover. And all six of them immediately challenged it wow. and exposed it. And I remember in that moment feeling, I felt very embarrassed for him. And I was like, well, how dare you come back at him like, that. I mean, that's just how he processes when he's feeling uncomfortable. You don't understand him. So I was kind of rearing up, even though I was mad at him, I was rearing up to defend him. But then I realized that was a cover-up and they saw through it and they were calling us on it. And I mean, there were times that I did the same thing where I would demur, I would, you know, try, try to get around answering the question. And they just went right for the jugular and just said, no, we're not playing around. This isn't, do you want to recover or not is the question. And if you want to recover, you know, it goes back to the question that the counselor asked Dave, what's it worth to you? What are you willing to do to recover? And you can't, you can't dance around the subject. You have to come clean and you have to face it. And sometimes you're facing that issue. It may not, it might not be the pornography, but it might be, boy, I don't know how to be honest in this situation. And until you're really willing to look that one straight in the eye and say, oh, that's what it means to be honest, you're hindering your recovery. To follow up with that, Brad, and I would say that I was so devastated by what I had done that I was was willing to do anything Mm -hmm. that it took to, to get healing, both for myself and for Kirsten. I do remember one instance, though, that that rocked me to the core, and that was one of the stipulations at work is I had to transfer all of my travel to my staff, which I love to travel, and it was very difficult to do that. And I was working with my daughter who was coordinating a lot of these events. So we were traveling together, and I was handling the technology, and she was you know, handling the event. One of the stipulations from work was that while I was on this trip, I had to give my computer to my daughter every night so that I would not be tempted. And I remember thinking, what idiot dad has to do this? And I just, it rocked me to the core of the fact that I have to give my computer to my daughter so that she can protect me. And I was like, yeah, I'm in need of help here. And I just remember that feeling of, and, and my daughter was cool about it. She understood and she wanted to help, but I just thought, man, and what, what idiot dad has to do that? And 
you know, it's just, it was the whole thing. Then uh, now the lie of what, you know, you're a poor excuse for a man and you know, all that stuff. Right. So it was a lot of that. And those things are so important in recovery. Like, why don't I share? It's like, why are you scared to share? You can just say like, Hey, I I don't feel like I can share, but the reason I'm scared to share is this, or I feel like I'm a poor excuse of a man. Like all the things that you're thinking, it's like, you don't just expose the sin you've done, like expose the thoughts, the insecurities, the barriers to sharing. I think that's so important to do. In Romans, God tells us that there is nothing that condemns us. Mm-hmm. That's right. And we're told in scripture, you know, Jesus, Jesus has overcome the darkness. He has won it all. The lie is if we reveal what we're really thinking, that we're going to be rejected. We're going to, somebody's yeah. going to laugh at us, whatever. So if you think about it, it's, it's our ego that's protecting us, you know, but, but God says, no, once the light has exposed it, mm-hmm. it can't hurt you anymore. That's right. And that was, I think the greatest victory that we both experienced was once everything came out, there was nothing that could be beaten up anymore. You know, and I, and I remember when we, when we made the decision to write the book and then to dis, to, to publish it, I realized that once I published it, I couldn't go back. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't take it back that there were going to be things that people didn't know about me that were going to, and, and I realized it was my ego mm. that was on the line and it was my reputation. It was Dave's reputation. And I had to really lay it before the Lord. In fact, the Lord gave me, as I was journaling about this, he gave me an, an image and that was literally Dave and me on our knees before an altar and the book was laid out on it. Wow. And, and God said, this is what I'm asking you to do. But once it was done, once it was published and people started reading it, I was like, people would say, well, does it hurt you to talk about this? And I said, uh, no, it's all out there. So the darkness can't overcome it. You know, I can't be beaten up by something because the truth is, is out there. And there's freedom. That's where the freedom comes. Yeah. That's where you can receive grace and live in grace because you've exposed it. And then the light comes and hits the darkness and it's, it becomes light and you receive grace. And mm-hmm. I, I love it. It's so cool. Yeah. Now, are there people who have rejected us because of that? Yep, there are. But that's not on me. Yeah. That's yeah. on them. Scripture tells us to confess our sins to one another and pray for each other that, that you may be healed. Yeah. And, and what Kirsten was alluding to in Romans 8, there is now no condemnation to yeah. those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And that was the verse that I clung to because it was like, no, I, yes, I messed up, but I am not condemned. Yeah. It is Christ that has redeemed that. And through his death and his resurrection, he has redeemed that. Now I need to choose that to take it and to live in the abundant life that he has promised. Yeah. And that's really when as a couple, you guys become that light on a hill, right? That, that where, there's a transformational thing of representing Jesus and what he's done in your life. And it is a beacon of hope and light to others. And as you were saying, Kirsten, I think often couples are drawn to that because at first, for many are drawn to that because they see the attractiveness in that. But others, when they see that, it turns something back on them and they don't, they don't like that. They realize, well, there's, there's things I need to reveal. There's things that I need to talk about in my marriage, but because I see you're doing that, and it's kind of convicting me or whatever else, I'm not going to, I'm going to reject that because I don't want to go down that path. So I think often those things happen, right? (laughs) It's well, and it's frightening. I'm not going to, you know, we know, I mean, it was, it was very frightening to walk into this group of, of six other people and have to lay yourself bare, Yeah. you know, and to be, be willing to answer any question. 
that they asked us. And if you can imagine the question, they asked it. But what we discovered was, like they've said, they became Jesus with skin on. Mm -hmm. they, they, didn't, they, they weren't asking us those questions to get you know, details to use against us. They were asking those questions to help us uncover the deep pain that was in our, our hearts and in our minds and to help us see where Jesus was in all of this and how did this heal. And that's part of that, you know, that was such a grace mm -hmm. to us, just such a gift because we became safe mm -hmm. with them. Well, you liken this to a physical wound. Um, I enjoy mountain biking being, being in this area. And if I fall down the road, you can get road rash. Part of the process to heal that wound is to clean out the wound, picking right. out the gravel and, and all the, and, and that hurts. Yeah. I mean, that's painful. But once, once the, the impurities can get out of it, then through antiseptic balm and, and protection of band-aids and things like that, the healing process takes place. And that's very much what happened with, mm -hmm. with us in yeah. that restoration team was the, the debridement of the wound, which yeah. was really painful. It was painful. One thing yeah. I'm curious about, Kirsten, from your side is you're dealing with the anger. Like, Dave, you're upset at yourself, but Kirsten, you're angry at him. But then you're also realizing stuff about you. So, like, did that create kind of a safety for you to open up about your stuff? Because it's like, well, I can't be any worse than he did. Like, he, he did kind of this horrible thing. Was it more safe for you to open up? And then also, like, you're angry at him, but then realizing stuff about you. Like, how did you kind of manage that, all those emotions? That was great. Um, I was a hot mess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're far from alone there for wives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that really helped move me forward was that we had given complete access to the counselor to our rest restoration group. So like Dave, we told in, you know, last week that they were talking back and forth. And so when I was diagnosed, you know, when it came out through the counseling, through the, the battery of tests that we had done that, I had the depression and all of this. We met with our, our team right after that. And they said, okay, well, what did you find out? And so I had to come clean. I had to tell them. I mean, my depression was so severe, I had to get immediate medical intervention. Mm. So it wasn't like I was hiding anything. Yeah. And I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't. But in, the, in being able to reveal that again, we were told, you're going to be okay you're going to come through this, you know, yes, you need medical help. And I were glad that you've talked with your doctor and you know, all of this. And our doctor immediately, when we, you know, when I got in to see him the same day, uh, which is a story in and of itself, he looked at me and he said, I've been wondering for the last two years, because every time I see you, I know something's wrong. Mm. And so it was like, you know, God tells us in Daniel that before we've even asked yeah. in Daniel nine, before we've even asked, he has already provided the answers. And this is what God has did for us. He, he had already put people in place to help us do this. So as I was processing through this emotion, by this point in our recovery process, I was kind of getting used to just laying it all bare. Hmm. And so when I poured it all out, then to hear this whole group of people come around me and say, you're going to be okay. This is not going to kill your marriage because by this point, I finally had some hope that we were going to survive. And then I thought, well, then now there's me. Now look at the mess that I am. And so 
getting that hope, getting that, that, that safety net. At that point, I felt like God put us in a, he put me in a cocoon and Dave, but he put me in a cocoon and he said, I've got you and, and you're going to heal. And when, when we open the cocoon, you're going to be somebody completely different. And so it was really a place of safety. And that's where I could process all of these emotions and I could take them out. I could say things to these people. I didn't have to filter what I said. I just, it just came out. And there were times that they said, well, you know, that was kind of harsh. And I'm like, yeah, it was. And, you know, but they were helped me process through all of those emotions. Wow. You're, you're just describing so much of, I think what, we need in the healing process and the journey. Cause I mean, I think that when, if porn is in your marriage, you're so focused on a behavior, this one mm-hmm. behavior. And really that's just a symptom of some other stuff. Yeah. Um, the deeper stuff that's working in our marriage and as individuals as well. And you guys saw that and, and God worked in those areas to have that full healing in your marriage and in your lives. And I think that's such an important message for us to understand. Um, it's not just about porn. <laughs> There's way more no, to it. Right. Yeah. And for you guys, kind of shifting now from kind of sharing your story. Now we put on the coaching hat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that I think a lot of couples, when they're at this point, like you were, they have no idea of what their next steps are. They have no idea what to do, who to turn to. Sometimes they don't have anybody to turn to. So if you were to kind of address a couple that's in that situation and there's, we get it, there's nuance to every couple, the, the degree of what porn's happening in their marriage might differ. Um, the different kinds of level of hurt and pain that we have in our past, where there's abuse, other kind of trauma, there's nuance. Every couple is unique and different, but what are some things that every couple should maybe know that um, would be helpful in that kind of mindset um, in regards to say, if there is porn or something like that in their marriage? Great, great questions. The first thing that every couple needs to understand is you're not gonna overcome this on your own. You just won't. Pornography uh, is, a, is um, a potent cocktail in the brain, whether it's, I don't care if it's a male or female who's, who's looking at the porn, it's a potent cocktail. So you need someone to help walk you through this process. And so that would be the, st- this, the first thing you know, that I would tell them. The second thing I would tell them is it doesn't have to be fatal. Exactly what we were told. I have friends, we have friends who pornography has destroyed their marriage mm-hmm. because they, they couldn't get out of that anger and betrayal cycle. Um, and I get that and I understand it and it breaks my heart when it happens. But if both parties are willing to discover a new way, there's hope. And when you've got Jesus in the equation, Jesus is hope. He is hope. And so if you truly love the Lord and you're willing to, to make the changes that need to happen, then I believe everything is possible because God says he is the God of the impossible. That's right. So those are the first couple things. Um, the third thing is they have to understand it's not shoot it, bag it, and it's over with. You didn't get here overnight. It's not going to heal overnight. You need a process. Um, we call it the aftershock recovery method. And the reason I call, we called it that is because when porn is discovered in your marriage, it's like an earthquake. It totally destroys everything around you and you're sitting there in a pile of rubble. So we start with excavating, you know, we start with evaluating the impact and then we have to excavate the rubble. And then we need to start working on what shock absorbers do we need to put in, you know, as we build our new foundation and we build a new foundation and we construct you know, we construct now the new walls and those are healthy boundaries. What is acceptable in this marriage? What is not acceptable? 
What does it mean to live authentically with the other person? And then we talk about what do you want, what do you want your future to look like? Because so often we're caught in, in the pain that we don't look up. We don't, we don't look forward. We don't say anything. And that's, that's our role as a coach is to help you look forward to say, okay, here's where you are. Yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess, but we can deal with the mess. We know what the mess is, but where do you want to be? You know, how, how far down the road do you want to go? What do you imagine your marriage looks like in the future? Because, you know, so many times we get people who say to us, I just want to go back to normal. Well, normal got you where you are today. Right. Right. You don't want to go there. My, my normal stunk. I don't want to go back there. You want, you want that new normal. What does that new normal look like? And that's what we have to define and how we, in this process, that's how we get there. I think from a male perspective, if it is the male, the husband that has been looking at pornography, the biggest thing is to own it and mm -hmm. say, I messed up. And a lot of what we see with couples is that the husband may have narcissistic tendencies and like, it's not my problem. I don't have that going on. But if you're honest with yourself, yeah, it is an issue. And so own it and then start to build, you know, move forward to repair the damage that you've caused in your family because you have. Uh, for a long time, I didn't think I was, I was hurting Kirsten at all. And that was, couldn't have been farther from the truth is that now that I understand what my, what my actions were causing her to feel, even now, when we talk about it, I get pangs of, of guilt and remorse. I know that God has redeemed that, but I'm still saddened by what I did. And so, you know, own it and okay. Yeah, I blew it. How do we now move forward. Right. And the other thing, you know, we have to often say to couples when we're talking with them about uh, initially, you have to understand that pornography is not a victimless crime. It is, it is not a victimless addiction. You know, we've just related some of our story. It, it affected our children. It affected our children professionally. So, um, you know, the ripple effects are going out and even though I wanted to believe and he believed that it was his problem and his problem alone, it really wasn't, you know, it affected us. It affected our relationship with our family members and it just kept going on and on and on. So understanding that really the decision comes down to not how much porn is acceptable in a marriage, but how far will you go to eradicate it? to yeah. walk away from it. And that doesn't mean, you know, we've been challenged uh, a couple of times by people who said, well, if you truly, you know, confess the porn and all of that, God will take it completely away. Sometimes he does, yeah. but sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes the temptation is there. It's like me with the depression, you know, could God completely remove the depression from me? Absolutely. God is able to do that. And he has done it for some people, but what, what he has done for me with the depression and for Dave with the pornography is to understand that we know one false step when we get away from him leads us down that path again. And so it's a grace in our lives. Like Paul said, I prayed three times for this thorn in the flesh to be removed, but God said, no, my grace is made perfect in your weakness. It is a grace in our lives that we have to completely every day depend on God to walk us through that day and to keep our thoughts and our lives as pure as possible. It's amazing. And I love in that 
that after that revelation that God gave Paul, he never talked about the thorn again. He just boasted in his weakness. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about, oh, I've got temptation or I got this, you know, way of thinking. But it's like you're saying that our weakness points us to Jesus. It points us to grace. And we try to reframe temptation in terms of it's an opportunity to learn your weakness and God's strength in that moment. Don't pray away all the, like, I never want to be tempted. Well, you're going to be tempted. God just says, look for the way out. I give you a way out and seek me. Yeah. And that's God what it is. When it, it, it comes. When it comes. When it comes, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a good point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, it's so good, you guys. You're sharing so much good stuff. Um, I'm wondering, you shared about when you were initially working on things, you really, I mean, you didn't even bake cookies. You didn't go out and do things. It was just work and, and, and work on yourselves. But when did that change? Uh, obviously that hasn't been 15 years of that year. This happened 15 years ago. So when did you feel a release or uh, I guess from your authority in your life, your recovery team, when did they say, okay, now you can start to do more things in your life? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. I don't really remember when it was a, it was a process. It was, we started doing some additional things probably about a year into the recovery mm -hmm. process. And when I say additional things, they were really minor, like, okay, we're going to go and we're going to, you know, work alongside uh, guy, people in our, our, our small group Bible study to help them, you know, with their elderly parents yard, you know, that kind of thing. It, it wasn't until, if my memory serves, I could be wrong on this one. It wasn't until we were completely released from the restoration process where they said, no, we see that you're healed and now you are ready to serve again, that we really started bringing anything back in our lives. But it was slow. It was I really mean, we really slow. tried to be very intentional of what we were doing. And we would talk about, okay, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Mm -hmm. Are we agreeing as a couple, we should be going this route. Mm -hmm. So there was a, and, and that was not done before. No. Mm. Um, so the communication was a lot more intentional to get permission from, I mean, not really not permission, permission, but no. to understand, okay, this is what I think we should be doing. Are we in agreement? Mm -hmm. Because if we're not in agreement, we're not going to do it. Well, and the reason that that was, became so important to us was we had discovered this new marriage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We don't want to screw it up. Right. You know, by jumping back into old habits, old ways and stuff like that. And there were times I remember we would be talking about something and we would say, we just really don't know. And then being okay with saying, because we don't know, we're not going to do it. Or be saying, because we don't know, we reached out to that restoration team and said, can we bounce an idea off you? You guys know us. I mean, you know us. There's nothing hidden from you. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? And there would be times that they really affirmed us in, in things. And then there would be other times that they would say, you know, I understand why you're hesitating. I, we really don't think this is a good thing for you at this time. Yeah. And to give us a, a different perspective yeah. than what we had seen. Yeah. Mm. But mm. the but the relationship between us had gotten so sweet. We didn't want to mess that up. Yeah, right. cool. That's so cool. No, I'm, I'm picking up on something here, and maybe you all are too listening. It sounds like you had ongoing, consistent support in your marriage. It wasn't one of those things where all of a sudden, okay, Dave, you haven't looked at porn in a year we're going to leave you now. You're all left on your own. Your guys are good. This sounds like there was a lot more to it. And it sounds like it was really important that you guys had that. And I think a lot of couples miss that. They just focus so much on the getting the porn out. Once that's gone, 
the behavior's gone, then we're good. And that's not the case. So for you guys, this is a process and a journey. And um, for, for you, what have you kind of learned through that, that you could tell couples? Cause I think sometimes they don't get that. They don't get that there's more to it than just a behavior. Um, what would you kind of share with them that you've learned through this process? I think for me, the big thing was knowing or understanding the lie that I've got to keep this a secret once. And we've alluded to this and even said it that once I was able to confide in safe people that I was struggling with this, there wasn't the rejection and Mm -hmm. the um, disdain that I feared. It was more of, thank you for your honesty. I understand that. And, and many times it was, I'm struggling with the same thing. Mm-hmm. So how can we work together to, mm-hmm. to have each other's back and, and fight together in this? One coworker would ask, how are we doing in our struggle? And, and you know, alluding to this thing that we're, we're fighting this together as well. And so that was a safe environment, but it takes the time, the commitment and that relationship. I mean, we're, we're very good friends with those three couples even today. And we meet with them for dinner periodically. I think one couple we meet every, every month just to touch base as friends. And they also are continuing to get my accountability reports. So they know what's going on. And yeah, so it's just, it's an ongoing relationship that we we continue to have. Mm-hmm. I think it's so cool that you you made an impact on others when you're willing to be vulnerable and share then others who are struggling themselves are like oh now I can have you as a support and you can journey together because if you weren't vulnerable they wouldn't have may- maybe been vulnerable with you too so that's right you always encourage people it is with important that to, yeah it is important to understand that you're not going to tell your story to everybody mm-hmm. at least not initially not initially yeah um, you're going to, there's going to be one, two, three people maybe That's right. that are safe for you. And safe means that, that they're more, you know, they, they respond with, I am so sorry. How do I help? How do I walk alongside this with you? Not that they're going to take it away, but they're going to challenge you. They're going to, you know, I, I say, are they willing to get nose to nose with you and say, this is not okay. This is not okay. What are you doing? This is not who Jesus has called you to be. They're calling you to that higher standard. Not everybody is there. I mean, we didn't even tell family members for the longest time because we kept it in this tight, safe cocoon. And that's where we needed to be until we got to a place where we could be a little bit healthier. And I remember when I told um, my mom about uh, what had been going on, and she said, I knew something was not okay, but I didn't know that this was it. And, you know, and and she said, are you sure you're okay? And I said, we're better than okay. You know, we've never been this good. And that's all she needed to hear. And so as we're talking with, and when I'm talking with women and he's talking with men or we're talking to couples, it's like, who are your safe people? And a lot of times when you become isolated, like we were, you don't have safe people. Mm -hmm. And so that's when you need to say to the Lord, I need safe people. Who are they? Where are they? Show them to me. And God will bring them Mm -hmm. to you. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to paint the picture that everything's perfect in our relationship (laughs) because no relationship is. We're human. We fail. We get angry. Uh, I've gotten angry today. (laughs) (laughs) You sound like every married couple. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But 
there's more authenticity now yeah. to say, I'm sorry, I'm mad. You know, I, I this is frustrating me. And, and uh, what's behind that? Gosh, let me think about that. And maybe yeah. it's this, but, cool. but there's more communication. So it's not perfect no. And, and no couple's going to be that way. No. no, and we're not going for perfection. We're going for authenticity. And that's a very different thing. Um, you and know, growth. I, and growth. And, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, you asked me what I, what our marriage was like before we got, you know, before D-Day. And I said, I thought it was great. We never fought. Right. We have fought more in the last 15 years than we ever did in the first 25, but it's because we're authentic with each other. Right. I'm not worried. You know, if he gets mad, that's on him. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about that. Where before I would do everything I could to keep him from being angry. Right. You know, and so understanding what's my responsibility, what's your responsibility, where, where is that line and how do I authentically communicate with you what I'm feeling without escalating it into a personal battle, mm-hmm. you know, so learning those communication tips and tricks and we've had to work on it a lot. And there's still, you know, like you said, even this morning, you know, before we got on here to talk with you guys, there was just this, ah, you know, and it, it was not okay. And, and it was like, and I kept, I remember, I remember as we were working through it, I was going, Lord, I know why this is coming right now. Mm-hmm. I know why this is coming. So would you just please, Holy Spirit, would you come mm-hmm. and help us work through this? Cause we got to resolve it now. Yeah. You know, but it's learning those tools and those tips and those tricks and um, really becoming comfortable with who you are. And I think um, as we look at the couples that we've talked with, the underlying problem has always been communication, right? That they, yeah. that they don't communicate well. And yeah. that's probably the biggest issue. That's right. That's right. Right. And you only have learned that in this new marriage that you guys have now entered into and are journeying through. So to kind of wrap up, I mean, we could stay with you for hours. I love your story. I love what you're sharing. Just Describe this new marriage, how that feels. And then also I wanted to ask the question, is there hope for those couples that are, yeah. So if you could just kind of touch on those two things. Yeah, Kirsten and I feel that there is nothing that we can go through as believers that Christ cannot redeem. I mean, I, I know there's horrific things that are going on in a relationship, but if two people are committed to serving the Lord, then, and, and they're committed to making it work, God will repair it and he will redeem it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's easy. It's going to take work. And, and, you know, Kirsten said, God could heal immediately. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, he chooses not to, to show us how, as a loving father, he can bring you through that pain and, and help heal the pain from past that is, is exacerbating the problem today. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, there is hope. There is hope. And I love, I love how gracious God is. Um, in my recovery and in our recovery, you know, we dealt with the things that we could see immediately. And God brought, taught us how to work through that. He brought the healing that we needed. He brought, he taught us how to communicate. Um, he brought people into our lives to do all of that. And then, you know, you'd think, okay, I made it through that. And then, you know, a year or two down the road, that same issue would come up only this time it's deeper. And so now he says, okay, now you're ready to go to that next level of healing. And I remember about a year and a half ago, I, I, 
knew that the depression was coming back in, with vengeance. You know, I'd been walking for many years without really feeling the depression and stuff like that, but it was coming back through a series of events. It was coming back and I saw my warning signs. And I remember I looked at Dave and I said, the depression is coming back. We reached out to our, you know, our safe people. And I said, I need you to start praying for me. The depression's coming back. And they said, we need to sit down and talk. Tell us what's going on. And as we did that, it was like God said, okay, now I, you know, I'm taking you to a new level of trust with me. And I had to go there. And while it was great to have Dave's support, it was great to have um, our children's support and the, and the, and the team's support. What I had, what I realized was this was again, a spiritual issue that I had to go in my case, it was an issue that I had to deal with, with God. And it was a trust issue, you know, and he walked me through that. And thankfully I didn't go full blown into the depression like I had been, but God is so gracious to us that he meets us where we are. He heals us where we are. When we turn to him and he said, if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me, you know, and the Holy spirit says, I'm here, I'm with you. And I'm, I'm going to walk through all of this with you. And Jesus has forgiven everything on the cross. He said, it is finished. Finished means finished. He didn't say, oops, I forgot about that one. No, it's all finished. And so we have all of it, but as we're maturing and becoming more like Christ, which is the process of sanctification, as it says in first, first Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, the God who has saved you is able to sanctify you through and through, and he will do it to the day of Christ Jesus until the day that we meet Jesus. And that is such a relief for me. It's not on me to figure it all out. God says he's going to do it. He's doing it with me. I just have to, to submit to him. And as I submit to him, I submit more to my husband. Our relationship grows stronger. We're more authentic with each other. We can communicate better. And life is a whole lot more fun these days than it used to be. A whole lot more fun. It's also a submission to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We laugh it's a lot more just, than we used to. It's not just Kirsten <laughs> submitting to me, but I'm submitting to yeah. her. We right. submit together. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. There's more fights, but there's more fun in the, in the <laughs> last 15. <laughs> it's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. You guys are messengers of hope. You guys are messengers of God's grace. And it's such a blessing to talk to you guys and hear your insights and your story and everything that the Lord has done. Thank I know you. you guys give him credit and give him glory. And uh, we love your hearts. We love your sharing. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you Thank very you. much for this opportunity. Mm-hmm. You we, bet. We love what you guys are doing. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so you listening, go to KirstenDSamuel.com, Kirsten, K-I-R-S-T-E-N, and then just the letter D, Samuel.com. Yeah, check out lots of resources. There's books, there's help, there's there's YouTube videos on there, or at least links to them. So check out all of her resources. You can follow her on Instagram, KirstenDSamuel. And uh, this has just been so good. So hope that this helps you guys. Hope this, that, that this is encouraging for you guys, especially as couples walking through this. Know that there's hope. And uh, we're looking forward to bringing some more episodes next week and hanging out with you. Thank you. Feel free to share. Feel free to leave a review on the app, whatever app you're listening on. And uh, get this out to your friends just to help spread the word of God's grace in people's lives. God bless. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.